Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church. I'm excited that we are able to worship in person today. And if you're watching us online, we want to welcome you as well. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thank God. You know, there's a lot of optimism in the last few days that we are seeing the beginning of the pandemic's end. We are at the point when restrictions are starting to be lifted. And we still can't set a date when the pandemic is going to come to an end. But let's say in the near future, COVID-19 becomes history. Will you just go back to your old way of life? Or will you make some big time changes in your life? What have you learned during this difficult year? And while I hate this whole pandemic, the positive that has come out of all this is we now have the opportunity to pause and examine our lives. It has forced us to ask the question, what is really important to me? And that is why our sermon series, How Then Shall We Live, is so relevant. Because what we are doing in this sermon series is painting a picture of what a committed follower of Jesus' life looks like what we should be pursuing, what we should be setting our hearts on. Now, the five pursuits of our church help identify those very priorities. Pursue God, pursue relationship, pursue mission, pursue generosity, and pursue simplicity. And so far in this sermon series, we've looked at the first four pursuits, and today we'll be looking at the final one, pursuing simplicity. If you're like me, uh, you're puzzled at what this even means. What does it mean to pursue simplicity? A simplicity is not just about reducing your standard of living, giving up our material possessions, or clearing items from our overcrowded schedules. To me, pursuing simplicity is not an end in itself. If simplicity doesn't have a purpose, it is an exercise in futility. We don't just simplify, we simplify in order to accomplish something that is important. We say no to some of the trivial things of life so we can say yes to those essential things of life. If simplicity doesn't have a purpose, then what do we do with those resources and time that has been freed up? That's why I believe pursuing simplicity is all about having the right focus. What are we giving our lives to? As Pastor Henry says, for you to live is what? We commit to pursuing simplicity so that we can excel in the other four pursuits. See, that is the motivation to simplify our life. We simplify so we can pursue God, pursue relationship, pursue mission, and pursue a life of generosity. In so many ways, simplicity is that linchpin. And how successfully we live out those other four pursuits depends on how well we do in this area. There are so many distractions, detours that you can take, and before you know, you lose your focus off the main thing. But simplicity, pursuing this discipline, helps you to maintain your focal point. Today, I want to offer us some insights from the life of the Apostle Paul. 
as he distills for us what we should be focusing on as followers of Christ, what we should be giving our lives to. If ever there was a Christian who lived a a laser-focused life, someone who lived in light of eternity, it's the Apostle Paul. And Paul offers us a powerful challenge in the book of Philippians, a letter that he wrote while he was in prison. And in the text that we will be looking at today, we will see what exactly should be the focus of our life. So the text is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. And if you're physically able, I'd like you to stand as we honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we intentionally quieten our hearts right now so we can be in tune with your voice, in tune with your spirit. I pray that you will do what you always do so faithfully. Speak to us through your inspired word. Bring much-needed clarity and perspective to our life. Teach us what we need to focus our lives on, that we will not be going on detours or be derailed in this path that you've called us, but we will be able to run this race with perseverance. So help us, Lord, to simplify our lives and apply these principles. Minister to us in the power of your Spirit. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. When you read a person's obituary or even a gravestone inscription, many times you get an idea of what a person lived for. For instance, Maria Assunta passed away And according to a news item, she was a very wealthy real estate investor. And according to her will, her $15 million estate is to be left entirely to Tommaso, her Italian cat, making it the richest cat in the whole world. Interestingly, Tommaso was a stray that made its way to Maria's life. So this is truly a rag-to-riches story. If you're a cat lover, I know you're getting emotional, you're looking for a Kleenex. If you're a dog lover, you're saying that's another reason to hate cats. Anyway, the point is, it is pretty obvious what Maria lived for, what really mattered to her, what she held as valuable. And what about you? What is the object of your life? What do you value the most? 
Pursuing simplicity helps answer this very question. It all has to do with our focus. The Apostle Paul's life is a living testimony of a life of focus. Earlier in Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about his former life prior to his conversion. Paul had the right Jewish pedigree. He had a great family heritage, came from the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Saul, his namesake, the first king of Israel. Paul calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law of Moses, he says he was a Pharisee, an elite Jewish group that was diehard in applying all of the rules and regulations of the law. Paul was a distinguished teacher and scholar and very much esteemed in the society. He had a promising future ahead of him. On all counts, his was an impeccable resume. Finding the Christian teachings to be blasphemous, Paul zealously persecuted the church. But when Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was radically transformed. And from that point forward, Paul was consumed by one thing, one priority, knowing Jesus. He writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now, when Paul analyzed his life, all of those very accomplishments that he once so cherished looked like garbage in light of the greatness of knowing Jesus. Paul made one thing as the ultimate goal of his life. One thing was supreme. Talk about a life of simplicity and focus. He wasn't pursuing 100 different things. One thing became the object of his attention. This one thing impacted everything else that Paul did. That one thing that he states here in Philippians is the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. He repeats that here in our text in verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So that is the kind of focus that we're talking about. For a simple life is a focused life. First of all, focus on knowing Jesus. The problem with so many of us is we think we know Jesus. We assume that we already have a relationship with him. But when the New Testament uses the word knowing Jesus, it's not just talking about a cerebral, intellectual knowledge. It's always a reference to an experiential knowledge. For Paul, knowing Jesus was not a thing of the past. This was the consuming passion of his life. It took precedence over everything else. 
Paul knew that he will never be able to exhaust his knowledge of Jesus. He was never stagnant in his spiritual life, but always growing in his experience and understanding of who Jesus was. That is the reason we are to simplify our lives. We simplify our lives so we can know Jesus more. If we are always super busy, always frazzled, always exhausted, if our calendar is so full that we are running from one appointment to another, that kind of a lifestyle misses out on what the essential things of life. Pursuing simplicity asks the question, what stands in my way of following Jesus faithfully? We need to be able to come to that place in our personal lives where we can say, knowing Jesus eclipses everything else in my life. When disappointments come, when our dreams are shattered, when our plans just fall through, they don't rattle us so much because we are not pinning our hopes on the next best thing that's on the horizon. That new house or car that you want to buy, that vacation that you are eagerly looking forward to, the promotion that is going to take you to the next level in your career, that retirement that is supposedly going to slow down your life. Knowing Jesus surpasses all of those things and becomes the consuming passion of our life. Like Paul, could we say, whatever else I desire in life doesn't even come close to the joy and the privilege that I have in knowing Jesus, experiencing him, and walking with him on a daily basis. One of the ways we keep growing in our experience of Jesus is by simply being in his presence. If you don't do this already, take a portion of your day to worship, read God's word, and pray. If simplicity is about focus, it is our quiet times in the presence of God that serves to bring that much-needed clarity. In those moments of stillness, God does a deep work within us of calibrating our hearts and fine-tuning us. He speaks to us through his word, through his promptings, and gives us the direction of our life. Everything else that we do in our day ought to flow from that, those moments that we spend with Jesus. So make it the high point of your day. A simple life is a focused life. Focus on knowing Jesus. Secondly, focus on your personal mission. I hear what Paul is saying in our text in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul uses some descriptive word pictures here, and it is full of vigor and energy. He says, I press on here in verse 12. 
And once again in verse 14, he repeats, I press on towards the goal. Verse 13, he uses the phrase, straining forward. He's talking about stretching every sinew and muscle, pushing yourself in order to make progress. Paul is using athletic imagery here. A picture for a moment, that runner in a major running race. How focused they are at that moment when the race is about to begin. How determined they are. How hard they have trained and worked for this occasion. They're single-minded, undistracted, and every muscle in their body is employed in order to take them past the finish line. Nothing else preoccupies their mind. That is Paul's imagery for the Christian life. If you think simplicity is about doing less things, then you miss the point. Simplicity is not about taking recluse from activity. It is about identifying what is essential, what really counts, and giving yourself fully to it. And that is the reason the frequent image used in the New Testament to refer to the Christian life is not meandering, uh, taking a, a nice stroll, or sauntering along without effort or hurry or merely coasting on. You won't find that in the New Testament. But what we do find frequently is the analogy of a race. We're all in a race. And when we pursue simplicity, we ask the question, what does this race look like for me? Paul says here in our text, I take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know, when Jesus took hold of Paul's life, he had a definite purpose for Paul. God had a personal mission for Paul's life. So when Paul testifies before King Agrippa in Acts 26, he talks about how he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus revealed to him the purpose of his life, that he would live to testify the power of the gospel to both Jews and Gentiles, that Paul would be a chosen instrument in the hand of God to fulfill God's assignment. Paul's life was so focused on knowing Jesus and fulfilling the assignment that Jesus had personally given to him. Now, the same God who had a mission for Paul's life has a personal mission for you. God has an assignment for you that only you can fulfill. He has uniquely wired you, gifted you, given you a certain passion and a burden, and no one else can do best what God has called you to do. Now, what that means is you don't need to become like someone else. You don't need to wish I was so-and-so. You need to be who you are, for you alone can fulfill your life's calling. Simplicity recognizes this responsibility and puts our lives focus on this personal mission God has for us. 
which is about being single-minded in fulfilling God's plan and not going on any detours of our own. Do you know your life's mission? If not, it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, I want to encourage you to spend time discovering that for it will change your life and you will come alive in a new way as you discover God's purpose for your life. Amy Carmichael, one of my favorite Christian missionaries, went to India and she was like so many, so much like the Apostle Paul, wanting to get hold of that for which Christ had gotten hold of her. She was born in Northern Ireland, and as a young woman, she arrived in South India in 1895, never to leave the country again, not even on a furlough. She remained single all her life and fully devoted herself to the task of making Jesus known. After being in India for only a few years, Amy had a life-changing experience. A seven-year-old Indian girl named Prina escaped from a Hindu temple and sought refuge with Amy Carmichael. Now, upon investigation, Amy came to know that Prina's widowed mother had dedicated her as a child to be married to the gods, which essentially meant a life of temple prostitution child was traumatized. Her hands had been branded with irons as punishment for a previous escape. But one day on the streets, little Prina heard about Amy, heard Amy talk about a God who loves everyone. So this little girl risked her life once again to escape from the temple so she can have a conversation with Amy to know more about this God. Now, that experience opened Amy's eyes to the horror of what young girls were going through. And that day, Amy discovered her life's personal mission, rescuing these girls and sharing with them the love of Jesus. And that launched a 50-year career in saving girls and even babies from a life of abuse and giving them a safe house. The rescued girls called Amy Amma, which in the Tamil language means mother. Today, 120 years after Amy Carmichael launched her ministry, the Donovur Fellowship in South India is still engaged in the same mission of rescuing children who are being trafficked or left on the streets. Now here's something you need to know about Amy. I told you earlier that you need to be you in order to fulfill God's assignment for your life. You don't need to be someone else. And as a child, Amy's favorite color was blue. And she was discontent with the fact that she was born with brown eyes. And as a little girl at night, she would pray every night, Lord, please give me blue eyes. And in the morning, she would wake up and just run to the mirror to see if she had received her miracle, only to be 
disappointed. She had a godly mother who once sat down with her and explained, God doesn't always say yes to our prayers. Sometimes he says no. And that she had to accept that God had a purpose in giving her brown eyes. And it's only years later, as an adult, Amy Carmichael would realize that her brown eyes helped her to identify with the people of India. God doesn't make any mistakes. He has made you exactly how he wanted you to be. He crafted every minute detail about you, all for a reason, all so that it can serve a purpose. So get on the race God has personally marked out for you. Press on. Don't slow down. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Stretch forward with every sinew and muscle in order to fulfill God's assignment for your life. That is how we spell success in the Christian world. Whether you're in the front lines or you're working behind the scenes, whether you are famous or obscure, whether you get to do big things or small things, whether you travel the whole world or you have to remain in one small place, success is not about accomplishing so many things, but success in the Christian world is fulfilling the assignment that God has in mind for your life. You know, a prayer that I pray often is, Lord, let me not miss out anything that you have in store for my life. A simple life is a focused life. Focus on your personal mission. Lastly, focus on eternity. Going back to our text, hear what Paul writes in verses 13 and 14. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You cannot run well looking backwards. You have to keep your eyes forward until you reach the finish line. And in a four-lap race, if a runner does well in three laps, that is not good enough. It is all about crossing the finish line. So that is why Paul is saying, I don't look back. I don't look back at my regrets or my accomplishments of the past. But my eyes are fixed on the rewards that will be assigned after the race. For at the conclusion of the race is the price distribution ceremony when awards will be given. In the ancient Greek world, the heralds would proclaim the name of the winner out loud and they would be called in public to receive their price. The winner gets to stand on an elevated platform and will be honored publicly. And Paul is saying he is fixing his eyes on eternal rewards, not the temporary benefits of this world. 
He is devoting his entire life. He is straining forward with everything that he has in order to gain the prize that King Jesus has in store for him. For the things of this world will all pass away, every single one of them. But our rewards in heaven will be with us forever. The reward that Paul is talking about is Jesus himself. Jesus is our reward. It is the full revelation of Jesus Christ, for we will see him one day as he is. And that day when we meet Jesus face to face, we will know him with a greater level of intimacy. And on that day, we will have absolutely no regrets about any of the sacrifices that we made here on earth. And that day, all that we believed, all that we held on to by faith, all the things that we anticipated and waited for eagerly will become a reality. That day is the day of our coronation when we will receive our true honor. And Paul says, fix your eyes on that day and live your life here on earth. C.S. Lewis wrote these words. Listen to me. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. And Lewis goes on to write, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. So what are you preoccupied with? Pursuing simplicity is adopting a lifestyle where our rewards will be primarily in heaven. And in doing so, we live a life of maximum impact here on earth. Preoccupation with heaven will help us to leave a mark here on earth. Church, our destination matters. And our lives are clearly shaped by what we are living for. What's the end goal? So let me ask you, for you to live is what? We simplify our lives so we can get a clearer focus of our destination. The fog can be removed and we will finally be able to see clearly where we are headed. Run a race that matters in light of eternity. In order to run this race well, all it boils down to is your focus. Focus on knowing Jesus. Focus on the personal mission that Jesus has for your life. 
and focus on the eternal rewards. But if you have the right focus and run this race, one day you will see Jesus face to face and you will hear those very words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want us to stand as we come to an end. A simplified life is a focused life. Let's maintain a moment of silence to ask God to reveal to us what has been our focus all along. Do we have the right priorities or do they require a realignment? So let's close our eyes and allow God to speak to us and take these words that you've heard today and apply it to your hearts. And as we always do here, ask the question, Lord, what are you saying to me? And what do you want me to do about it? Just maintain a moment of silence. And after that, I want to pray for us and hand it back to our worship team. Lord, we pray today that the fog that is surrounding us because of the influences of the world will be lifted up and you will give us eyes to see a life that will truly matter in light of eternity is what we want. Lord, we realize a life here on earth is so brief. It's like a vapor. We are here today and tomorrow we are gone. Help us to seize the opportunities that come our way and make this brief stay here on earth count in light of eternity. Lord, in the whole process, we want to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you will help us to see the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, that nothing comes close to this, that everything else looks like garbage in light of this glorious reality, that we know you, we have been adopted into your family, that we are your children, that you have a purpose for our life. We want to get hold of that for which you have gotten hold of us. So help us, Lord, to run this race with perseverance, the race that you have marked out for us, that nothing will distract us, that we will not go on any detours, but, Lord, our eyes will be fixed on the destination, that day when we will see you face to face. Help us to live our lives now in light of the glorious hope that we have for our future that as our hearts is being captivated by these spiritual truths, it will impact how we live our lives in the here and now. So we pray that you will strengthen us, those of us who feel tired, discouraged, weary. 
I pray that you will grant us a fresh empowerment of your spirit so we can get up and carry on and press on in the race that you have assigned for our lives. Teach us, Lord, what it means to have the right focus, the right priorities, that we will simplify our lives so Jesus can be magnified. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.